This recording is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Stillwater's Revival Books is online at www.puritandownloads.com. This is a sermon intended for reading on Lord's Day, May 15, 1892, delivered by Charles H. Spurgeon at the Metropolitan Tabernacle of Newington, was actually delivered on the Lord's Day evening, August 3rd, 1890. O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, from Daniel 10:11. It didn't do Daniel any harm to know that he was greatly beloved of God, or else he would not have received that information from heaven. Some people are always afraid that if Christian people obtain full assurance and receive a sweet sense of divine love, they'll grow proud and be carried away with conceit. Do not you have any such fear for other people, and especially do not be afraid of it yourselves. I know of no greater blessing that can happen to any man or woman here than to be assured by the Spirit of God that they are greatly beloved of the Lord. Such knowledge might do some of us who are Christians the greatest conceivable good. Daniel was not injured by knowing that he was greatly beloved. It has often been said that Daniel is the John of the Old Testament, and John is the Daniel of the New Testament. Those two men, Daniel and John, were choice saints. They rose to the greatest height of spiritual obedience and then to the greatest height of spiritual enjoyment. The knowledge that they were greatly beloved of God, instead of doing us harm, will be a means of blessing in many ways. If you know, my dear brother, of a surety that you are a man greatly beloved of God, you'll become very humble. You will say, how could God ever love me? What was there in me to merit esteem or give the Creator delight? I think a sense of God's love is even more humbling than a sense of our own sin. When the two are blended, they sink the soul very low, not in depression of spirit, but in its estimate of itself. A sense of God's love will also excite in you great gratitude. Oh, you will say, how can I repay the Lord for such an amazing favor? You'll be conscious that you can never repay him. But you'll begin working out all sorts of schemes and plans to try to show how much you value the love of God. You'll bring out your alabaster box from its hiding place. You'll willingly enough break it and pour the precious ointment upon the dear head of him who has loved you so greatly. I'm sure that a certainty of having the love of God shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost is one of the greatest promoters of holy gratitude. And holy gratitude is the mother of obedience. When we feel how much we owe, Then we seek to know the will of God and take a delight in doing it. Whatsoever he saith unto us, we are glad to do as a proof that we really are grateful for love so amazing, so divine. This will also consecrate us. I believe that to know certainly that you are greatly beloved of God will make you feel that you cannot live as others do. You cannot trifle with sin. He who lives in the heart of the king must be faithful to him. If called to stand in God's immediate presence as a courtier and a favorite, you must take care how you behave yourself, and you will do so. You are not your own. 
For you are bought with a price. So therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In proportion as we are sure of his love, our love to him will burn like goals of juniper, which have a most vehement heat. And everything contrary to the will of God will be consumed in that blessed flame. A sense of divine love will also strengthen us. What is there that a man cannot do when he is in love even with one of his own race? But when he gets to be in love with God and knows of a certainty that he is greatly beloved of God, he would cut his way through a lane of devils. He would face an army of angels and defeat them all. For love is a conquering grace. When faith is side by side with love, it, quote, laughs at impossibilities and says it shall be done, end of quote. And love goes and does it, for there's nothing which the love of God will not enable us to do. Moreover, this assurance of God's love will make us very courageous. If you're a man greatly beloved, and thou knowest it, thou wilt be a brave man. Let me never come into collision with the sword of that man who God greatly loves, He'd cut me in halves. The love of God makes a hero of the man on whom it is fixed. He's in the thick of the fray. He defies sin and death and hell. He will burn for Christ. He'd be ready to burn a thousand times over when once he was assured that he was the object of the peculiar love of God and, like Daniel, could be addressed as a man greatly beloved. This will make a man glad. If we're greatly beloved of God, how can we be miserable and discontent? Oh no, if you're a man greatly beloved, you'll trip with light feet over the hills of sorrow. You'll be glad in the Lord, even when you have much to depress and discourage you. You'll begin the music of heaven even here. For a sense of God's love in the soul sets all the bells of the heart ringing. He is the gladdest man who has the greatest assurance that he is a man greatly beloved. Um, I've said all this as a preface to show you that you need not be afraid of knowing that God loves you. Some seem to think that a state of doubt is a state of discretion. No, it's a state of folly. Full assurance of the faithfulness and truthfulness of God is nothing but common sense spiritualized. To believe a lie is folly, but to believe the truth is wisdom. If thou art a believer in Christ, though the very least and weakest of believers, thou art a man greatly beloved. Believe it, and be not afraid to rejoice in it. It will have no influence over thee, but that which is sanctifying and health-giving. Well, now, to help us think of Christ's great love to us, I'm going to talk a little first about the case of Daniel, the man greatly beloved, and secondly about the case of every believer, for every believer is a man greatly beloved. And thirdly, about the case of some special saints, believers who are the elect out of the elect, the choicest of the choice ones of the Most High. Of these it may truly be said that they are men greatly beloved. First then, let us consider the case of Daniel, who was a man greatly beloved. Because Daniel was greatly beloved of God, he was early tried and enabled to stand. While he was yet a youth, he was carried into Babylon, and there he refused to eat the king's meat or to drink the king's wine. 
He put it to the test whether if he fed on a common pulse, common vegetables, he, he would not be healthier and better than if he defiled himself with the king's meat. Now, religion does not stand in meat and drink, but let me say a good deal of irreligion does, and it may become a very important point with some as to what they eat and what they drink. Daniel was early tested. Because he was a man greatly beloved of God, he, he stood the test. He would not yield even in a small point to that which was evil. Young man, if God greatly loves you, he'll give you an early decision. And very likely he'll put you to an early test. If you're greatly loved, you will stand firm, even about so small a thing as what you eat and drink, or something that looks less important than that. You'll, you'll say, I cannot sin against God. I must stand fast, even in the smallest matter, in keeping the law of the Lord my God. If you are enabled to do that, thou art a man greatly beloved. Afterwards, Daniel was greatly envied, but found faultless. He was surrounded by envious enemies who could not bear that he should be promoted over them, though he deserved all the honor he received. And so they met together and consulted how they would pull him down. They were obliged to make this confession. We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Oh, dear friends, you are greatly beloved if when your enemies meet to devise some scheme for your overthrow, they cannot say anything against you except what they base upon your religion. If when they sift you through and through, their eager, evil eyes cannot defect a fault and detect a fault, and they are obliged to fall back upon abusing you for your godliness, calling it hypocrisy or some other ugly name, you are a man greatly beloved. And further, Daniel was delivered from great peril. He was cast into the lion's den because he was a man greatly beloved of God. I think I see some shrink back, and I hear them say, well, we don't want to go into the lion's den. They are poor creatures, but, but Daniel was worth putting in the lion's den. There was enough of him to be put there. Some men would be out of place among lions. Cats would be more suitable companion for them. Indeed, they are such insignificant beings that they would be more at home among mice. Lion's dens would not be at all in their line. They would imitate Solomon's slothful man and say, there's a lion outside, I shall be slain in the streets. And there's not enough manhood in them to bring them into close quarters with the king of beasts. Even among our hearers, there are many poor, feeble creatures. A clever man preaches false doctrine and they say, very good. Was it not well put? Oh, yeah. It's all alike good to some of you who cannot discern between the true and the false. But Daniel could distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, he was thrust into the lion's den. It was, however, a den out of which he was delivered. The lions could not eat him. God loved him too well. The Lord preserve Daniel, and he'll preserve you, dear friend, if you belong to Daniel's band. It's one thing to sing, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, but it's quite another thing to be a Daniel and dare to stand alone when you're at the mouth of the lion's den. If you're like Daniel, you'll have no cause for fear even then. 
If your trial should be like going into a den of lions, if you are a man greatly beloved of God, you'll come out again. No lion shall destroy you. You are perfectly safe. The love of God is like a wall of fire around about you. Once more, Daniel was a man greatly beloved, and therefore he had revelations from God. Do not open your eyes with wonder and say, I wish that I had all the revelations that Daniel had. Listen to what he says. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. And again, as for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. The revelations he received actually made him ill. I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days. Afterward, I rose up and did the king's business. I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. He whom God loves will see things that will astound him. He will see that which will almost kill him. He will see that which will make him faint and sick well nigh unto death. When one said, You cannot see God and live, another answered, Then let me see him if I die. So those who are greatly beloved say, Let me see visions of God, whatever it may cost me. Let me have communion with him, even though it should break my heart and crush me in the dust. Though it should fill me with sorrow and make me unfit for my daily business, yet manifest thyself to me, my Lord, as thou dost unto the world. Even men greatly beloved, when they deal closely with God, have to find out that they are but dust and ashes in his sight. They have to fall down before the presence of his glorious majesty, as the beloved John did when he fell at Christ's feet as dead. I will make only one more remark upon Daniel's case, and that is this. He stood in his lot. Because he was a man greatly beloved, he had this promise with which to close his marvelous book, Go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Oh, he was a man greatly beloved, but he does not understand all that God has revealed. And he is to go his way and rest quite satisfied that whether he understood it or not, it would work him no harm. For when the end came, he would have his place and his portion, and he would be with his Lord forever. The next time you get studying some prophecy of Scripture, which you cannot make out, do not be troubled. Hear the voice of God saying, Go thy way, wait a while. It will all be plain by and by. God is with thee. There remains a rest for thee. A crown that no head but thine can wear. A harp that no fingers but thine can play upon. And thou shalt stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Well, thus I have briefly describe the case of Daniel. In the second place, number two, I'm going to speak of the case of every believer who is also greatly beloved of God. I must be very brief because of the communion service which is to follow. Every believer has been called out from others. My brother, look at the hole in the pit whence thou wast digged. Like Abraham, thou hast been called out from thy family and from thy father's house. Possibly you have not a godly relative. Many here are the only ones of their kith and kin that ever knew the Lord, so far as they know. 
or can remember. Behold, in this the sovereign electing love of God. Art thou not a man greatly beloved? Even if thou hast come of a godly stock, yet thou hast seen others who seem to be nearest to the kingdom and yet have been cast out from it. Admire the grace of God which has called thee and thy father and thy grandfather and thy brother and thy wife and maybe children too. All be grateful and bless the name of the Lord. But who maketh thee to differ from another? Who but God, the giver of all grace, has made thee to differ from the ungodly around thee. Therefore adore him for his matchless mercy, his distinguishing grace. Remember, too, that if thou hast been called out from a sinful world and transformed into a child of God, this is the token that thou hast been chosen from the beginning. God loved thee long before he began to deal with thee in the way of grace. Ere thou wast born, Christ died for thee, and ere this world was made, God loved thee with an everlasting love. Before the day star knew its place or planets ran there round, thy name was in his book, and thine image was on the heart of Christ, whose delights were with the sons of men. Remember his word by the prophet Jeremiah, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Feed on that precious truth. Inwardly digest it. Let it enter into thy very soul. He hath loved me with an everlasting love. Then surely I may claim the title of a man greatly beloved. Remember too that in the fullness of time thou wast redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Thy God took upon himself thy nature. And on the cross he bore thy sins in his own body. On the tree, chastisement of thy peace was upon him, and with his stripes thou art healed. The blood mark in on thee now, it's on thee now. Thou art one for whom he died in that special way, which secures effectual salvation to thee. He loved his church and gave himself for it. And this is the song of that church in heaven. Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. If thou hast been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, verily I say unto thee, thou art a man greatly beloved. Thou hast been also pardoned and put among the Lord's children. Remember thy sin for a moment. Darest thou remember it? Hast thou remembered it? Then forget it, for God has blotted it out. He has cast all thy sins behind his back. The depths have covered them. There is no one of them left. They sank like lead in the mighty waves of oblivion, and they shall never arise to condemn thee. Thou art forgiven. Perhaps thou wast a drunkard, a swearer, disobedient to parents or unchaste, but whatever thy sin... The blood of Jesus has cleansed thee, and thou art whiter than the snow. And he has covered thee with the robe of his perfect righteousness, and thou art accepted in the beloved. Art thou not a man greatly beloved? I remember one who came creeping to the Savior's feet. It was myself, black as night, condemned in my own conscience, and expecting to be driven to the place where hope could never come. I came to Christ 
wearing the weeds of mourning. But in a moment when I looked to Jesus, he put on me the garments of salvation. He took away my sin, placed a fair crown upon my head, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Blessed be his name. Is there a man in the world who can sing, Oh, twas love, it was wondrous love, the love of God to me. It brought my Savior from above to die on Calvary. If there is such a man, I am that man. And you can sing it too, dear friend, can't you? I mean, you have been forgiven your trespasses for Christ's sake. I feel sure that your heart is speaking now, even if your tongue is silent. And it says, indeed, as a pardoned man, I am greatly beloved. Since the Lord forgave your sin, you've been a praying man and God has heard your prayers. From the horns of the unicorns he has delivered you. Out of the depths of the sea you have cried and he has rescued you like Jonah. With the psalmist you can say, Verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Are you not greatly beloved? As our dear friend Dr. Taylor said in prayer this morning, we have a mercy seat to which we can always go. Not only have we gone to it in the past, but we may go to it whenever we need. We have the entree of the king's palace at will. Are we not men greatly beloved? Besides that, remember that the Lord has upheld you until now. In your pilgrim path, how many times your feet have almost gone? How often you have been tempted? Ah, worse than that. How often you have yielded to temptation. And yet here you are. Your character not ruined, your soul not lost, your face towards Jerusalem, and the enemy's foot is not on your neck yet. And it never will be. Glory be to the name of the Lord. When I think of all our experience in the way in which the Lord hath led us, I can truly say of all his people that they are men and women greatly beloved. Now tonight you are invited to feast with Christ in his church, not to come and be dogs under the table, but to sit with him at the royal banquet with his banner of love waving over you. You are invited to be his companions here, his comrades at his feet. Oh, what a festival is this sacred supper. Haman thought himself honored when he was invited to his king's banquet. But what shall we say who are bidden to come to this high festival? What food luxurious loads the board when at the table sits the Lord? The wine, how rich the bread, how sweet when Jesus deigns the guests to meet. Only one thing more will I say under this head, but the story is so marvelous that we may be forever telling it, and yet it will never be all told. The love of Christ to some of us has been so wonderful that when we once begin the theme, we seem to forget all about time and wish there were no fleeting hours to bid us end our story. Eternity itself will not be too long for telling out the old, old story of Jesus and his love. But what I was going to say is this. We shall be with him soon. Some of us sit here heavy at heart. And there are wrinkles on the brow. And there's a weariness in the frame which makes the wheels of life drag heavy. Beloved, it's but the twinkling of an eye. So brief is life and we shall be with him where he is. We shall behold his glory. Do you ever try to realize the greatness of that love that will 
take you to be with Christ, to dwell with him, to share his glory forever? Can you not put the incorruptible crown on your head tonight in fancy, nay, in faith? Can you even now begin to wave the palm of victory and strike the harp of everlasting praise? Do you feel as if you could even now join the sacred songsters above and sing the heavenly hymn, the hallelujah chorus of the ages yet to be? As surely as we, we are in Christ tonight, we shall be with Christ by and by. O oh, men, greatly beloved, to have such a future as this before you ought to make your heaven begun below. Well, time fails me. And so I must speak of the case of special saints, those who are in a peculiar sense men greatly beloved. There are some men who are, as I said at the beginning of my discourse, elect out of the elect. Remember that Christ had 70 choice men, his disciples. Then he had 12 choicer men, his apostles. And he had three of these who were with him when the others were not. And out of these three... He had one John, that, that disciple whom Jesus loved. His love is so sweet that while I would be grateful to be even outside the 70, so long as I might be among the 500 brothers who saw him after he rose from the dead, yet I would then have the ambition to get in among the 70, and not for the honor of it, but for the love it would bring. I would like to be out of the 11, and, and for the same reason I would fain to be one of the three, and I would above measure be thankful if I might be the one whom Jesus loved. Have you not that same holy aspiration? Well, now let me tell you that if you would be among the choicer spirits, greatly beloved of God, you must be men of spotless character. Christ loves great sinners and even saints that fall and stain their garments. He will not cast away. But you will never enjoy the fullness of Christ's love until you keep your garments unspotted from the world. You can't find a fault in Daniel. And if you want to live on earth so as to be in heaven while you're here and to drink the wine of Christ's love to the bottom of the chalice, even the spiced wine of his pomegranate, you must watch every step. Observe every word. For our Lord is very jealous and half a word of evil will grieve him. If you'd walk in the light as he is in the light and have constant fellowship with God, I beseech you, be you perfect, even as your heart shall see God, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. You follow after unsullied holiness. Holiness, the pure in heart shall see God. Oh, that you might everyone have this purity. It is those who have not defiled their garments who shall walk with Christ in white. The next point is that men who are greatly beloved are men of decision. When Daniel had the lion's den in prospect because of the faithfulness he had to his God, he went into the house, and his window being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. There was no compromising in Daniel's case. If you want to be greatly beloved, do not attempt any compromise with sin. Have nothing to do with policy and craft and holding with the true and the false at the same time. 
If God is to use you in his service, you must be like the tribe of Levi, separate from your brethren. And you must ever be ready to stand up bravely for God and for his eternal truth at any cost. It's my earnest desire that we may have in this church many men and women of this kind who will be, as Mr. Moody puts it, out and out for Christ. Next, if you would be men greatly beloved of God, beyond all the rest of his people, on whom special shinings of his face shall come, you must be much in communion with him. Daniel fasted and prayed and communed with God with cries and tears. And God came and revealed himself to him. He was greatly beloved, for he lived near to God. He was no far-off follower of the, of the Lord. He dwelt in the full blaze of the Son of Righteousness. If a man is to be greatly beloved of God, he must live above the world, as Daniel did. Daniel became a prince, a governor, a man of substance and position. But when Belshazzar promised to clothe him with scarlet, to put a gold chain around his neck, if he could read and interpret the writings on the wall, he said to the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Daniel did not want them. When he became great in the land, he walked with God, as he had done when he was poor. It's a dangerous thing for some people to be made such of in this world. Their hands soon get turned, and they begin to think too much of themselves. He who thinks that he is somebody is nobody. And he whose head swims because of his elevation will soon have it broken because of his tumbling down from his lofty position. Daniel was a man greatly beloved. And God showed him his great love by setting him in high places and keeping him there in safety. Once more, men who are greatly beloved by the Lord live wholly for God and for God's people. You see nothing of selfishness about Daniel. He neither seeks to be great nor to be rich. He loves his own people, Israel. He pleads with God for the seed of Abraham. He is patriotic. He loves Jehovah. He pleads with him for God's own people. Now, if you want to be greatly beloved, give yourself up to the service of God and his church. Ye that are men now serve him against unnumbered foes. Your courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. No man need wish to be born in a time more suitable for heavenly chivalry than this. To stand alone for God in such an evil age as this is a great honor. Oh, I pray that you may be able to avail yourselves of your privileges. How few care to swim against the current. A strong stream is running in opposition to the truth of God. Many say that the Bible is not half-inspired. Many are turning away from Christ, refusing to acknowledge his deity, and some blasphemously speak of his precious blood as a thing of the shambles. Oh, sirs, somebody does not stand out today for the cause of God and truth. What is to become of the nominal church and of a guilty world? If you're loyal to Christ, show it now. If you love him and his infallible word, prove it now. Then shall you hear him and say to you also, O man greatly beloved, go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.
Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s, and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.